trying to talk to you in high school Couldn't even get a look cause you were too cool But now we're older and we're playing by the new rules We lived and learned Cause it's time Hello again everybody and welcome back to Card Advantage I am Clues, one of your faithful hosts Joining me as always is your other faithful host, Rich Rich, how are things tonight? Things are going well Excellent, excellent. I am glad to hear that. So, hey, they have released Dragons of Tarkir. It's actually out in the wild. People can play with it. In actual tournaments, did you catch any coverage of any tournaments last weekend? I did not. I okay. was busy splitting wood with my dad. Oh, that's fair. That's perfectly fair. Um, I saw a lot of the new cards kind of floating around here and there, Pepper Index. Uh, I don't think Standard has... I don't think Standard has really transformed yet. Uh, it is... What we, what we saw was an evolution of Standard. There were no revolutionary decks, at least not at uh, not at the top tables that I saw. There may have been one or two rogue decks flying around there, but I was at the Invitational, the SCG Invitational in Richmond, and it was a real good time. Um, I can say that dragons are a thing. I saw a lot of those, which is not surprising, because... Dragons. I can say that Jeskai Ascendancy is a dumb, dumb card. Oh my god, seriously? That card does way too much. Oh man, just shockingly way too much. Uh, Soulfire Grandmaster, also dumb. Dragonlord Ojutai, totally dumb. Uh, Treasure Cruise, of course, is still just bonkers. Uh, and I think it's Anticipate, the new kind of half of a ponder. Actually, really, really good. Saw that get used a lot by folks, so. Uh, for me, I like the more aggressive cards. So, I like the, the, oh god, what is it, uh, something, lash, tail, something. It's the, it's the one where it burns, but if you reveal a dragon, it also burns a creature's controller. That, that's, that's a pretty cool card. I like to see that. Uh, and tons and tons of goblin tokens all over the place. Which was awesome, because I do like my goblins. What can I say? But if you didn't see any of the coverage, I suppose it would just be me rambling. But, you know, hopefully folks are enjoying the new standard. Uh, Hopefully they like the new set. I have not yet seen it in action in Limited, but uh, I I think it'll be nice. Uh, Hey, folks out there who go to FNM and draft... Well, if you're a, if you're a drafter, you have probably experienced the cons, 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 as well as the fate cons, cons... And now you should experience uh, Dragon's Dragon's Fate. So let us know how you found those limited environments to be, how you found drafting in those those three different ones to be. I'm not much of a drafter, so I'm the last guy to ask, which is why we're asking you. So if you have an opinion on that, please let us know. Uh, we are certainly interested. You can email us, of course, at uh, mtgcardadvantage at gmail.com and let us know. We'd love to know. But that is not what we're going to talk about tonight, because, again, we, we don't actually know. But tonight, instead, we're going to look at something different. So, Rich, we got this new set that's coming. Not not that just came out. We had that. I mean, let's be honest. We are always on a constant merry-go-round of either set is about to release or set just released. There's not much time in between, you know, those sorts of things happening. There's very little time where we're not in one of those. Right. But coming soon to a gaming store near you will be MTG Origins, the Magic Origins set, the the final core set, which is probably 
it's probably not a fair label to give it. It's probably, you know, it is its own beast. It's going to be interesting. But in theory, it's the last quote-unquote core set. But in it, we will see the return of a mechanic that was terribly, terribly polarizing when it first appeared. And that mechanic is, of course, Transform. Because we're going to have the Transforming Planeswalkers, which is something I'm pretty sure we talked about here on this show uh, in the past. So I'm going to say called it. Not that we're unique. A lot of other people called it, too, but still. That's our show. We're going to pretend that we were unique. We, we, we were a special snowflake. We called it. No one else did. Okay, that's a lie. Uh, but the transform mechanic is making its return, and we saw that for the first time back in Innistrad block, which, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Rich, didn't you start in Innistrad block? Nope, I started in Scars Mirrodin. Started in Scars. Okay, so you were, you were right. Um, Innistrad was my first full... Excuse me, because I came, to, came in and uh, Mirrodin besieged. I missed the beginning of Scars. Right. So Innistrad was my first complete set. Okay, so the first one that you followed the whole thing from start to finish. Um, so, uh, since you weren't a terribly established player, what, what were your impressions of Transform the first time around? Just generally, painting in broad strokes. At the time, I was, when I first heard it, I was really, uh, kind of slightly confused and annoyed, because at the time I played with penny sleeves. Mm-hmm. And so I was I was really concerned about all the check cards. I didn't like the idea of the check cards. I didn't I had a hard time grasping the concept of drawing on my cards mm-hmm. with pen. That was really oh. something that was yeah. difficult for me to grasp that concept. Um, but as I the closer as I got it, the you know, the closer I got to playing um, Magic, you know, I started using real sleeves and getting more in the competitive scene. They didn't bother me as much. I I definitely didn't like. I didn't like that I had to be particular on which sleeves I got. Right. I didn't like the the flipping of the cards very much. Um, cause I hate it when it, you, you forget to take them out and it's like, oh, oh, yeah. Pain. And then, yeah, you, know, you, you flip them over, put them back in the sleeve and then you accidentally shuffle up and then you draw the card and it's like, oh crap, it's the wrong side. Now my yep. opponent knows, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally yep. with you there. Cause you know, I mean, some weren't hard, but you know, sometimes you have to remember what the mana costs were. And um, I don't. And the big thing when I first thought about it was I played mostly in casual multiplayer groups, mm-hmm. and understanding the werewolf mechanic was what really turned me off. Thinking of like you know I'm waiting three to four turns, and this guy could be flipping back and forth before I ever get to play him. But I don't. He's never going to be what I want because I don't get the choice. Right. Right. And that's something yeah. I always have a hard time against is things that happen that I can't control. With my my opponents make their choices or control the outcome. Mm-hmm. I've never liked that in my, with my cards to have that. Besides a few options like you know, um, um, four mana Jaces, mini Factor Fiction, and things like that. Well, now then, wait a minute. I got to call you out here for a second. Uh, you are a guy who likes blue, right? That is correct. And and you like counter spells, right? I do. Okay, so how can you possibly sit here and tell me that you don't like it when your opponent gets to make choices about your cards when you yourself are guilty of playing cards that make it so that you're, you make choices for your opponent on their cards? In other words, I'm not even going to let that resolve. Yeah, I make the choice. <laughs> I see. I see. So, so it's okay as long as you're doing it. Yeah. It's not okay if others are doing it. No, it's not. Okay. Okay. See the difference now? I, I, I see a difference. I'm not sure how big of a one it is, but I totally see it. So, uh, let me tell you about my very first experience with, uh, transform cards. And it was, it was kind of weird. So, 
I was at uh, PAX, the, the Penny Arcade Expo, and at PAX they have the Magic Party. And I know we've we've talked about the Magic Party uh, from time to time that they they do this thing where that you know they they usually announce something cool at the Magic Party. You usually have to go through some sort of a uh, some sort of a like not quite a scavenger hunt, but there's an activity that you have to do to get your invite to the Magic Party uh, at PAX. And they revealed transform cards at that party, and uh, we had we had no idea what uh, what they were going to be or what they were going to do. But when we came into the party on stage, they had a couple of cards that were up on like poles, and so you could see one side of the card and you could read it, and uh, that was pretty cool. And then at one point. Uh, later in the night, and these were transform cards. They they actually said, you know, uh, uh, transform on them. But we didn't really know what that meant. We didn't know what that, that mechanic did. Uh, and at some point during the night, uh, it was like 10 o'clock or something, they flipped all the cards over, so all these cards on the poles rotated. And now we could see the backside. And everyone was just very, very confused because we couldn't tell, okay, does this mean that the cards have this backside or do you go and get this card out of your deck box? How exactly does this work? And we were all very, very confused and it was explained that no, they, they actually flip over and that that's what the backside looks like. Now this was a huge, huge change, of course, because prior to that moment in the history of magic, every single magic card ever had the magic back. And of course, if you look historically, the, the magic back was originally meant to be something that would change from set to set. Uh, and in fact, I, I, I'm sure you know this. Well, maybe you know this. Uh, there's actually a stray pen mark uh, where it says Deckmaster that was in one of the original proofs that they were doing. That that pen mark doesn't actually belong there, but because it was there when it went to print, all Magic backs now have that stray pen mark where it says Deckmaster, uh, which is kind of funny that they've had to reproduce that all these years. But this was the first time ever that a magic card could not have a magic back. And in fact, they had to change the comp rules to allow it because the comp rules prior to that uh, said that all magic cards had uh, the magic deck master back. So we got this new mechanic and lots of folks talked about how, oh, well, okay, first of all, we could do an entire show sometime and maybe we should about all the things that were going to kill magic. And this was one of them, right? There were people who were saying when this came out, uh, yeah, this is, this is it. This is the death of magic. This is the end of it because you've changed the backs. D -d -d Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. It's just not gonna, not gonna fly. And I'll admit, you know, the judge in me, cause I had just become a judge around then, uh, my, my frustration with the scars of Meriden block kind of led me to become a judge. And, ah, boy, I knew this was gonna be weird. Just really, really weird. And so mechanically, I agree with you 100%. The let, let's just let's just talk about the the physical nature of transforming cards. It's a hassle, right? Would you agree with that statement? Yes. I mean, either you're using the checklist cards, which by the way, I was actually worried when the checklist cards happened that we would run out of them because uh, you know, they were printed essentially like tokens in the packs, but a lot of people, particularly drafters, would use checklist cards and then throw them away at the end of the night because they didn't need that card anymore because God knows they're not actually going to play that card outside of Limited, so who cares? And so I was worried about uh, about running out of checklist cards. So I actually have somewhere in a box behind me here uh, a, a, like a stockpile, like a strategic reserve of checklist cards that so I've been saving. I, uh, I don't think they're going to be worth money. I think they they printed enough of those. 
quite frankly. I don't think they're worth money, but they're good for pr- proxying once testing attack. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, and of course, they led to some really weird interactions in draft, right? Because, I mean, you know, normally when you draft, in theory, particularly if it's a called draft, all you folks who've done competitive REL out there know what I'm talking about. If it's a called draft, they tell you, okay, lay out the cards face down in front of you. You should have 14 of them, yada, yada, yada. Well, now when you open up a pack, there's a double-sided card in it. And so when someone takes it and puts it on top of their pile, everyone else at the table knows they took that card. And I don't draft, so I can't really tell you how annoying that was, but uh, I did run drafts, and I can tell you how annoying that was, uh, particularly since we had to instruct people, no, the card has to go on the top of your pile, no, it cannot go on the bottom of your pile, yes, everyone knows that you have that, yes, we know that's a problem. Uh, in most drafts, I think most people were instructed that when you open up your pack, pull out the double-faced card and show it to everyone at the table, then continue with the draft. So, I mean, it was a lot of weird, silly dance that we had to do to make this work. That being said, I think it worked amazingly. The actual mechanic itself, the transform mechanic, to take a card and turn it into another card, I think is an amazing design space. And they did some interesting things with it. So, since Transform is coming back, what we thought we might do tonight is take a look back at some of the Transform cards of Innistrad and ask how well did they do what they did? You know, did they work flavorfully? Uh, did they work mechanically? Uh, so we're going to take a look at some of these and, and see what we come up with. So I suppose, just to get it out of the way, there's one Transform card in particular we should probably go ahead and look at. Chalice of Life? Yeah, yeah. It's, no, not Chalice of Life. Nobody likes Chalice of Life. Hey, hey, Chalice of Life was a hilarious card. And it's also not Elbrus the Binding Blade, although Elbrus will come up a little bit later on. But no, of course, I'm talking about the blue one-drop, Delver of Secrets. I think we should probably talk about it. Well, yeah, he was the most popular flip card. Well, maybe... Uh, well, I don't know. Hold, hold on, hold on. I'm going to put the brakes on right there. He is not a flip card. <laughs> double-sided card, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, okay. He is a transform card or a double-sided card. Now, there are going to be those among you out there in listener land who are going to go, Clues, why do you care? Come on. I mean, yeah, why do you care? Well, because I'm a judge and, tr- and flip cards were a thing. They were from Kamigawa. No one liked them. They were an early attempt at this sort of a thing, but the problem with the flip cards is they kept the magic back. So they had to shrink the art and put the text upside down on the top of the card, and it was just weird, and no one liked them. Uh, except for the one listener who's listening right now who's going to email us and tell us how much that he did like them, or he or she did like them. And that's that's fine. I'm glad you enjoyed them, but you're in the minority, let's be honest. I like the essence ones, the creatures that flipped into enchantments, because those enchantments were awesome. Yeah, so let's let's start with Delver of Secrets. Let's take a quick look at this guy and how much I hate him. And oh god, this thing—it's everywhere. It's absolutely everywhere. At the Invitational this very weekend, at the top tables on coverage, it was like Delver as far as the eye could see for Legacy. They were just everywhere. But Delver of Secrets was a one-one for one blue. He was a creature human wizard. And he had this weird ability. So all of these transform cards had... Some of them had things that that unified how they transformed. They all transformed the same way. But some of them were oddballs. This is an oddball. Werewolves all transformed the same way. Any non-werewolf transform card all had different effects. 
Yeah. So this one is uh, at the beginning of your upkeep. Look at the top card of your library. You may reveal that card. If an instant or sorcery card is revealed this way, transform Delver of Secrets. So some things to note about this. Uh, we'll talk about his other side here in a second. But uh, let's let's talk about some shenanigans that can go on with this. So first of all, it's looking for instants and sorceries in blue. And what does blue play? Instances and sorceries? Instances and sorceries. So it's definitely playing to blue's strength. In all fairness, all colors play instances and sorceries. Well, yeah, but I mean, some more than others. I mean, you know, oftentimes these, these blue control decks have like two or three creatures total that they ever use. Yeah. So it's, it's not a stretch to give blue an instant or sorcery. Uh, this mechanic also, this particular one where you're checking for what's on the top of your library, which color has the most library manipulation effects? Black? No, no, that's not right. Blue. Yeah, it's totally blue. Yeah, we know it. You know well, it. Well, in all fairness, I mean, they're not going to have a green card that's like that. I mean, they do the, they gave it to blue because blue, they play into their colors. I mean, blue plays into its wheelhouse of being able to manipulate the library. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying it's a little easy for it to flip, and it's in a color that makes it even easier, right? I mean, they, I mean, it's like the there's green creature cards that let you drop play more land per turn. That's well, why would that be in green? You know, the green already does that. That's that's what the colors do clues. I I know. I'm just saying that this is shockingly easy to transform. Yes. Like disturbingly easy to transform. Now, I I don't know if you saw it, but just this past week, uh Evan Irwin has a series on YouTube called I think it's called Forgotten Lore, let's say. I think. I don't know. He's he's got this series on YouTube where he looks into uh storyline stuff and uh particular cards and things. And he actually has a whole episode just about Delver of Secrets. And uh according to that Delver of Secrets was originally, as designed, going to transform if you revealed a creature card, which would actually fit more with the original story, because this is a riff on the fly, right? So uh, the fly, the guy had originally built a, a, a teleportation chamber. When he went into the teleportation chamber, there was a fly that accidentally got in there, and when he teleported, it merged him and the fly. So uh, this... You know, it, tr- having a creature that works flavorfully, right? Because there's, you've got the guy, and when you see this other creature, he he teleports with it, and it 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 train it changes him. But it was pointed out by someone else uh, in design or development that uh, no, that doesn't really make much sense in in blue. That sounds green. So if you really want this to be blue, why don't you have it transform on instants or sorceries? And the rest, as they say, is history. So chances are. The turn after you cast this little bastard, he's going to transform into the other side, which is Insectile Aberration, which is a 3-2 flyer. A 3-2 flyer. <sighs> Originally, it was a 2-2. They upped it to a 3-2. I don't know why. I think it's because they hate me personally. That's my understanding. Uh, but mine, mine too. Far too powerful. This This card is like the most efficient one-drop creature you could possibly imagine, and there it is in blue. No single part of it is too good, but the whole package, when you tie it up with a bow, just way too good. Too easy to transform, uh, too too effective of a beater. Uh, he just wins games. He really, really does. Yeah, but when when Delver lost Ponder and th- 
ponder. They they fell far from grace. Yeah, in standard, that is absolutely true. It, it dominated standard for a while, but once once you ran out of library manipulation effects, not so much. But in legacy, oh my god, all over the place. Modern, still all over the place. Vintage, yes, they run it in vintage. Vintage! The, the format with Black Lotus and the Moxon and this common from Innistrad is good enough to hang with those guys. So... <laughs> I don't know. He's, he may be one of the most, he may be the most important creature printed while I've been playing. I, but one last thing about this guy before we move on. I'm, I'm sorry I've spent so long, but he's kind of my nemesis. Uh, so the interesting thing about, uh, his, his wording, um, that is a trigger. You can miss that trigger. That's fine. Uh, you don't have to reveal the card. That's fine. You're revealing it, uh, at the beginning of your upkeep. So, uh, this happens before your draw step, right? So, uh, during, during upkeep, this'll trigger, you can reveal it. Uh, you don't have to draw that card, right? You can, you can do some effect like crack a fetch land that will shuffle that card away even after he's, he's transformed. So, all kinds of shenanigans that can go on with, with Mr. Delver, and he's kind of a pain. So, who do you want to talk about? Well, let's probably talk about close to the other most popular flip card. Sure. Huntmaster. Huntmaster. Okay, so we're about to go into werewolves, but before we do, uh, I do want to say that from a flavor standpoint, okay, if we take a step back and we ignore all of my emotional baggage tied to Delver of Secrets, I think flavor-wise he works, right? He's a human who transforms into an insect, never mind that the insect that he transforms into is three times as powerful as as a normal 1-1 human, but still... He, uh, he totally does. Yeah, but he's not like, I mean, he's, you know, he's a mutant. He's a giant. Well, he's still a human. He's, isn't he a human insect? Uh, I think he may be a human. Let me double check that, but I think you're so right. I think he loses the wizard part of his, um. But he retains human. Yeah, he is a human insect after he transforms. So if you've got anything that buffs humans, still works. Uh, okay, so let's move over to the red-green side of the spectrum, and why don't you tell us all about Huntmaster O the Fells? Well, he's a werewolf, so he had the typical werewolf transformation, which is if you don't cast spells, he flips to the werewolf side. When he's a werewolf side, two or more spells are cast in a turn, he flips back. And the thing about him, which is why he was mythic and played all the time, is he did things on both sides when he entered the battlefield or flipped. Yes, yes he did. And he entered the battlefield, you gain two life, you got a wolf token. Two, two wolf token. When you flip, you deal two damage to a player and a creature. Uh, deals two damage to target opponent and two damage to up to one target creature that player controls. So it does target in both in both cases uh, on the on the flip side. So uh, it's important to know that if they've got a ley line out, you can't target them. If they've got a creature with hexproof, you can't target that. Uh, both of those things were kind of important at the time. Uh, so yeah. Uh, one thing you left off, uh, the, the, the daytime side, the Huntmaster side, not the, not the Ravager side, not the werewolf, but the human. Who's a human werewolf? He's a werewolf the whole time, but he's a human part of the time. Uh, you also gain two life from that one. I said gain two life. Did you? Did I just miss it? I must have missed yeah, it. I'm I, sorry about that. I think you missed it. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so he was in every red green deck out there. Because he was, he, he's one of the most efficient drops there were. Granted, his human side was only a 2-2, two, two, 
which played a big d- effect with when people would play Huntmaster into Huntmaster. Yeah. You had to make sure he didn't transform on your turn. Right. Uh, so, yeah, the, the you'd dueling... Play, yeah, it was, you'd want to play no spells so he would transform on your opponent's because then theirs goes on the stack first, then yours, so yours was all first, so he flips and kills their hard master. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's back up and be a little explicit about a couple of things. So first of all, uh, all of the werewolves pay attention to, they all have a clause that says, at the beginning of each upkeep, not just yours, but your opponent's, so everybody's upkeep, if no spells were cast last turn, transform whatever card we're talking about. So... Uh, all the werewolves did that. And the flip side does, you know, exactly the opposite at the beginning of each upkeep. If a player casts more than, casts two or more spells, transform to the other side. Uh, so it really made you think carefully about when you did things. Um, you know, there were times when your, your opponent would play a perfectly innocuous looking creature and you're like, oh man, I know what that turns into. I have to play something. Like, even if I'm, you know, this spell that I'm about to play, it's, it's not good right now, but I have to do it just so that it doesn't turn over. And so that sort of thing would, uh, would happen. And if you had werewolves, you'd say, well, I got two spells I can cast, but then all my werewolves turn back into humans, and that's, that's no good. Don't care for that. So it did create attention, if you will. Just mechanically, it created attention. Uh, and altered how you did things. So it was very, very successful. Uh, oh, I, I feel like he was clearly meant to be a legendary because werewolves were the only tribe that didn't get a legendary. Yeah, I really think he should have been legendary as well. And he, he really fit it, and I think that would have played much better with the way legend rules worked back then. Yeah, at the time, uh, legendary, you could only have one on each side, one total on the board at the time. And... If he were legendary, it would have led to a lot less shenanigans. Because you're absolutely right. Uh, the 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 dueling huntmasters was a thing. So uh, let's say Rich has a huntmaster and I have a huntmaster, and uh, Rich it's Rich's turn and nobody casts any spells, and we come to my turn. Well, now my huntmaster triggers and his huntmaster triggers. But from a rules standpoint, Rich Rich nailed it on the head. But to be explicit, my huntmaster transform trigger goes on the stack first. Then Riches, so Riches resolves first, so Riches Huntmaster flips over. My trigger hasn't resolved yet, but when Riches Huntmaster flips over, it's got a trigger that says deal the damage. So that goes onto the stack now and resolves before mine ever gets to flip. So he can just kill mine, just blow it out of the water before it even happens. So if I would play a Huntmaster and then you would play a Huntmaster your next turn, which is generally a bad move, my next turn I'm almost instantly going to pass my 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 phase. Yeah, you're just gonna go. Yep, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. It's it's fine. That's a big draw. Go. That, that it forces him to, clues to either have to play an instant or sorcery or lose his huntmaster. Yeah, and uh, this this came up all the time, and there were a lot of sad faces when when this happened. We should have to explain. Okay, yeah, this is the way the triggers work. This is how they go in the stack. This is how the stack works. Yes, your huntmaster is dead. No, it doesn't get to deal any damage. Yeah, you're kind of screwed. Uh, so. Yeah. Now, something you said earlier uh, about this that I I think is important thematically and is thematically important for all of the werewolves. Uh, so you said one of the things you didn't like about the werewolf triggers, the, were- the werewolf transforms, I should say, is that it took the decision of when to do things out of your hands. Well, not entirely. I wasn't 100% in control of what would affect those cards. 
Right, and I think that's the beauty of how they designed this mechanic, though, right? I mean, if you think about werewolves in stories, they're always, you know, just not quite in control of what they do and what they become. But, but I'm not the werewolf. I'm well, the yeah, planeswalker controlling the werewolf. Well, yeah, I know that, but, you know, sometimes sometimes your minions don't do your bidding. Yeah, mm-hmm. then they die. That's why I play black and sacrifice those things. <laughs> Oh, we've finally unearthed why Rich is so fond of black, and it has to do with werewolf triggers. You don't, uh, listen, you don't want to listen to me? You get tied to the stake. That's right. Oh, oh, what's that? What's that? You wanna you wanna do something that that I didn't tell you to do? Well, guess what? Now you're dead. Stop right. paying attention to the squirrel. All right, I'm getting to. I'm drawing two cards. Tribute at the altar, or whatever. <laughs> that's right. You're you're out of here. We'll... Kept kept chasing his tail. I'm done with him. Yeah, but still, I I think that they did an amazing job with this mechanic. It's kind of in your control. The but thing with kinda the not. werewolf, man, the, there were so many of the transform cards are werewolves that that's what everyone associates with. Mostly associates with transform is the werewolf mechanic, and I think that's where we missed out on. Because when in Origins, if we do get more transform cards outside of just the five planeswalkers. We're missing out on all, we're gonna be missing out on a, there's so many other things, like when I brought up Chalice of Life, I mean, it's a joke cause that card was, it was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, well, and we'll, we'll get to that one, I promise. Uh, it's just, I just think so much is focused on that werewolf mechanic cause there's so many, and there's so much, there's so much more to the transform mechanic. Yeah, and the vast majority of these transform cards are in fact werewolves. Um, I think we, we were looking at the math before the show and I think we came up with there are 28 transform cards. Uh, it's a little less than that, actually. From the Innistrad block. From, there's a, there is a, um, there's a, two, there's, I think there's actually only 27. Only 27, okay. Um, yeah, cause there's Immerwolf, there's some card from Born of the Gods in here, and I think there is an enchantment that says transform. Yeah, Moonmist. Oh so yeah. It's, tw- it's 27. Moonmist, okay, so yeah, so 27, there were 27 transform cards. And a very big chunk of those were werewolves. Very hefty chunk. But that's, you know, it's, it was, it was a unifying theme for these things, how they transformed. And there are a couple that I might want to talk about in a few minutes, but uh, I think you're absolutely right. Huntmaster of the Fells probably, I'm going to say the best werewolf of the entire set was Huntmaster of the Fells. Mm. Got a better one? I don't know if it's better. So it's it's close. There's one that I really like that's close, but Huntmaster probably is better. I mean, one that I really liked, and that yeah, let's go ahead and talk about this guy. Uh, let's talk about uh, everyone's favorite Mayor of Avabrook. That's what I was gonna say. That's the one to me that's close. Yeah, I loved Mayor of Avabrook, and great he card. Yet another card that I think should have been legendary because when he's not, he's just. Dumb, because you could have multiple of them out at the same time. Stupid, dumb. Oh, just way, way dumb. So, Mayor of Averbrook, he was a 1-1 for 1 and a green. He was a creature human advisor werewolf, so he is a werewolf and a human on his front side. Other human creatures you control get plus 1, plus 1. That's, again, on the human side. And, of course, he's got the werewolf transform mechanic. And when he transforms, he becomes Howl Pack Alpha, which is a creature werewolf, and a 3-3. So he goes from a 1-1 to a 3-3. Other werewolf and wolf creatures you control get plus 1, plus 1. 
and at the beginning of your end step, put a 2-2 green wolf creature token onto the battlefield. And then he has the werewolf transform back. So, so good. On his front side, he boosts all the other humans you control. On his back side, he boosts all of the werewolves you control. And of course, if he's on his front side, and you've got another one that's on his back side, because they've been cast at different times, let's say all your guys transformed, and then you cast a second Mare of Averbrook. Uh, well, he is a human advisor werewolf on the day side, so the night side one that's boosting werewolves actually boosts him. So it's kind of this weird synergy that goes on. Basically, if you could have more than one Mare of Averbrook, you would. He was a promo card, right? I believe he was, yes. So, and when I first started, again, this is one, this is one of the sets that was first start, I was first a part of that started helping me build standard decks, and I built a deck I called Token Town, and he was a pretty big, pretty big aspect of that, because it was green-white tokens. Yeah. With, with, um, what do you call it? Gaviny. Yeah, Gaviny Township, yep, that definitely fueled things. It was a pretty, yeah, it was pretty good. I had a hero blade hole. These guys, it was a pretty good deck. Yeah, so I think I'm going to put both uh, Huntmaster of the Fells and Mare of Averbrook into the bucket of very, very good cards, slight miss flavor-wise, because they should have been legendary. Because there's only one Mare of Averbrook, right? At, right. At a given time. And Huntmaster of the Fells, if you just look at him, it, he's a guy. It, that guy, that guy's the Huntmaster of the Fells. He's not a Huntmaster of the Fells. He's the Huntmaster of the Fells. I mean, look at that guy. The guy's amazing. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Mayor of Averbrook, he's probably... Man, I don't even know if he's my favorite or my second favorite. I think Huntmaster is a better card, but a little harder to cast. That's true. Yeah. Uh, okay, so there are a bunch of werewolves we could talk about. Uh, I don't think we should talk about most of them. Uh, I liked a lot of them. Uh, I liked uh, Mon- Mondron Shaman. Mondarin Shaman, Mondronin Shaman, that that guy. Yeah, let's uh, tell us all about her. I liked her. I thought she was cool. I used her um, in some of my when I was running red as my anti-control card. Um, It's three and a red for a three-two human werewolf shaman, Um, and it's completely blank. It's just a three-two, except it has you know the werewolf claws. But when it transformed, it was Tovalar's Mage Hunter. It was a five-five. And whenever your opponent casts a spell, the Mage Hunter deals two damage to that player. And then it has the so Werewolf Transform. Very good card. It was very, it was funny because a lot of people had a hard time, didn't know how to deal with it when you were playing against control decks. It was very good, um, sideboard card for them. Oh yeah. You put them in the awkward of having to cast spells, and then once it flipped, they couldn't really cast spells. Yeah, because once it's flipped over, I mean, the, the trigger to transform it back doesn't happen until the next upkeep. So, so you take four damage. Yeah, you're going to take four damage off of this thing no matter what. And it's a 5-5, five, five, so killing it's going to be tough. Because it's most cards would say whenever they cast a non-creature spell, a non-something spell. This is just spells. Anything at all. That's why I like that card so much. Yeah, and it's also uh it's not symmetric, right? It's only when an opponent does it. So you can cast all the spells you want. Go right ahead. Yeah, that's that's one reason I like this card. One reason I, I was a little surprised I never saw it more. Like, cause when I used it, people are going, what does this card do? I'm like, you're a fool for not knowing what this card does. Yeah. It, what this card does is it shocks you in the face twice. Enjoy. Yeah. Most, yeah. most of the time when I played that against control decks, they were pretty, um, pretty done. Yeah. Yeah. There's only so much they can do against that. Uh, four, four life is quite a bit of life. Yeah. 
I mean, most of the time it forced out a Doom Blade, which was mm-hmm. fake. It's a Doom Blade on that versus something else. So the werewolves were all red green, right? The, the transformy werewolf guys. But the other colors also had some stuff. So there were a few white cards that transformed. And I, I believe Rich had some choice phrases that he used to describe those before the show, which they thankfully, all sucked. yeah, yeah, they all sucked. Uh, they weren't great. I'll Not admit. good at all. In all fairness, no, uh, like, Black has an, um, Black had one amazing one. That was it. Okay, they had well, more flip cards, but only one of them was good. And well, it was you, not just good, it was amazing. You want to talk about it now? Sure. Do you, can you guess which one it was? Ah, uh, let's see now. A black transform card that was actually amazing. I'm gonna guess that it transforms into a demon, or it is a demon, if it's in black. Um, is it in fact, no, no, I think it's gonna be Screeching Bat. Is it Screeching Bat? <laughs> no. Oh. Same creature type, though. No, that's not true. The backside's the same creature type. Bloodline Keeper. Oh, oh, God, yeah, it's the, it's the vampire. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Bloodline right. Keeper was stupid. He was one of my favorite cards from Innistrad. Still is. Love this guy so much. All right, tell us all about him. He's two black black for a 3-3 flying vampire. That's already good mana cost. Yeah. Um, tap, put a 2-2 black vampire creature token with flying on the battlefield. Awesome. Pay a, pay a black to transform Bloodline Keeper. Activate this ability only if you control five or more vampires. And then, uh, let me find this transform side real quick. Can't never remember the name of that. Uh, Lord of the Lineage, I think is Lord name of is. the Lineage. He has other vampire creatures you control get plus two, plus two. Tap, put a two, two uh, black vampire creature token flying on the battlefield. He's a five, five flyer. So yeah, now you have an army of four, four flyers. All right, so here we have, let's just think about this mechanically for a second. So we had uh, the Delver of Secrets style transform, where there was a triggered ability that, depending on the outcome of it, which let's assume you're not manipulating your library, but it's kind of random that it will it will transform. You've got the Werewolf transform abilities, where you can kind of affect it, but what your opponent does also affects it. So, uh, you got that going on. And now, we have a transform where you get a choice. You actually have to pay to make this happen. So, yep. uh. And the, you can only pay when you meet a certain condition. Right, right. So it's, it, it is a conditional one, but you do totally have a choice. And, yeah, okay, Bloodline Keeper, very, very good card. I mean, just four mana for a 3-3 flyer, just that alone, eh, it's not too bad. I mean, uh, he was used in a lot of control decks. Um, most, mostly I saw him in control decks. Cause you know, he just sits there and then at the end of your turn you just tap him and then you untap him and, I don't know. I actually used him in my white black tokens deck. It was mostly a humans deck. Mm-hmm. But I'd used him and, every, and everyone was like, going, why would you use him? Like, cause you're gonna have to kill him or you're gonna lose. Yeah. Cause He's... you know what one of my main, the, another one of my main cards in my white black tokens deck was? Hmm. Sword. Oh yes, who, the the old who traded vampires. He totally did. Made him flip so much faster. When those two are out, they had to kill Bloodline Keeper. They were gonna, lo- they were just gonna lose. Yeah, because once he transforms, oh man, he's spitting three two flying vampires out. Yeah, okay, well, I'll, I'll accept it. Best best black transform card, sure. I mean, I know you're you're referring to the Ravenous Demon, and I didn't like the Ravenous Demon strictly because you had to sacrifice a human. 
Well, that in itself was in- interesting, right? It was picky, picky, picky on what it ate. Very Lord picky. Pits, Lord it. of the Pits just better because Lord of the Pit didn't care what you sacrifice as long as you sacrifice them. Yeah. Okay. So let's mention Ravenous Demon. So Ravenous Demon, uh, three black black for a four four demon. Sacrifice a human. Transform Ravenous Demon. Activate this ability only anytime you can cast a sorcery. So you can only do it on your turn, but you can totally do it right away if you've got a human lying around. And he transformed into the Archdemon of Greed, who was a 9-9 flying trample, and at the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice a human. If you can't, tap Archdemon of Greed, and it deals 9 damage to you. This is a very black card. It's it's a very Lord of the Pit-like card. Yeah, very much so. But it's just, it's Lord of the Pit that's picky on what you eat. Yeah, well, you know, some demons are picky eaters. I tried really hard to make a um, deck that would work with them with using um, uh, Thraven Doomsayer. Mm-hmm. It, it was not as good. Yeah, that's fair. It was uh, too much effort to get it together. Flavor-wise, he works really, really well, right? I mean, you're you're making a deal with a demon, and the deal is I'm going to sacrifice this human, and you're going to do something for me. And he's like, yeah, that's cool. I will totally do that. But now you're in this in this deal with this demon... And deals with demons don't usually go the way you want them to. If you feed them once, you gotta keep feeding them over and over and over. Exactly. The price just keeps recurring. And, and it's, he doesn't give you the chance of doing anything else. Like it's not like say, you have to sacrifice another creature. Yeah. You can't do anything to, does he tap himself like Lord of the Pit does? Uh, yes. You, you tap him and he deals nine damage to you if you can't pay the price. Yeah. That's just so something. Yeah, don't don't make deals with demons. I guess is the takeaway there. Uh, but still, flavorfully, I mean, I think you'll agree that the transform mechanic works really, really well here. Yeah. And again, it's it's one where you can choose. You choose to do this. You may regret that decision. You're either going to win or you're going to lose. Right. Right. I mean, it's 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 that simple. He's kind of helping. He's helping in his own somebody's going to die sort of way. I guess. Yeah. Uh, but hey, let's, let's move to some other colors. Uh, so we've seen, seen some black cards there. We've seen some red. We've seen some green. We've seen some blue. Let's look at white. I honestly don't think they got one good one. At least definitely not for like standard play. I guess they had some decent ones that were okay for draft and limited. Yeah, I actually found, uh, Cloistered Youth to be interesting. It was, I thought, I used that a lot in limited because it was, it was a great card for limited. Yeah, so Cloistered Youth, one and a white for a 1-1 creature human. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may transform Cloistered Youth. You don't have to, but you may. And if you do, it turns into a black card on the other side, and that is the Unholy Fiend, which is a 3-3 creature horror. At the beginning of your end step, you lose one life. So worth it. Yeah, so totally, totally worth it. Uh, now it, because you could only do that as a trigger, the, the transforming, it was not a combat trick. So it wasn't that you could just make this one, one, and when you needed it to be, you could just turn it into a three, three block. It dies. Everything's good. So you had to make the choice that, okay, now is the time when I'm going to do this. I'm going to flip it over. I'm going to, I'm going to smash some faces. Um, but this card actually leads to a mechanic that we didn't really, well, a technicality, I suppose that we didn't really talk about. So, uh, the backsides of these cards had no mana cost at all. 
their conversion uh, cost was zero. So it was hard to figure out. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to Ratchet Bomb. Uh, here, you're tipping our hand here. Um, so, uh, because they had no mana cost, how do you figure out what color they are? Well, Watsy thought of that, and they have what's called a color indicator. So in the type line, there's a little dot, and the little dot is the color of the card. So you went from Cloistered Youth, which was a white card, because it had white in its mana cost. You flip it over, it has no mana cost, but it's got a black color indicator, so it is a black card. So uh, that was totally a thing. Now, that actually, the invention of the color indicator had some ramifications for a couple of cards. Uh, so, for instance, Dryad Arbor, the old versions of Dryad Arbor had written on them, Dryad Arbor is green, which was considered an ability and was something that it could lose if it lost all of its abilities through some other effect. But now, Dryad Arbor has been retconned. Its oracle text now just has a green color indicator. Strangely enough, if you go even further back than Dryad Arbor uh, to things like uh, Kobolds of Care Keep, which I'm sure everybody out there remembers Kobolds of Care Keep, but they're important in the Cheerios deck. Uh, they are a uh, 01 Kobold for one, and, uh, no, for zero, excuse me, that's why they're a Cheerio. Uh, so they're, they're an 01 Kobold, but they're red. And in fact, uh, their, their cards used to read, uh, Kobolds of Care Keep is red. But now they've been retconned and have no rules text at all and just have a red color indicator. So, there you go. Interesting things. Yep, things happen. Yep. Totally, totally a thing. So, you know, these uh, these color indicators did change some things, but you know, they're, they're interesting. I like the color indicators. I think that they're, they they work fine mechanically. Um, yeah, I guess that's all I have to say about that. So that was Cloistered Youth. Um, I, there's at least one other white card that I think bears mentioning. You didn't care for it uh, when we were talking before the show. Uh, but I liked it, uh, and that is our good friend. Let me find him here. I forget his name. I, I think it's Loyal Cathar, I, I think, think is his name. Fun. And, yeah, there he is, Loyal Cathar. Loyal Cathar uh, was a common cost white-white for a 2-2 with Vigilance. So, hey, that's not bad right there. Okay, if we just stop, time out, we'll just stop right there. You can have a 2-2 with Vigilance for white-white. Perfectly at home in a white weenie strategy. Uh, great in a pauper deck, cause he's, he's a common. Uh, because he's a common, if you're already in white, uh, in a draft or in a limited environment, not bad. But, he has the following clause. When Loyal Cathar dies, return it to the battlefield, transformed under your control at the beginning of the next end step. So he actually dies and comes back, transformed. When he dies, he becomes a black card. So once again, he goes from white to black. And he becomes Unhallowed Cathar, who is a zombie soldier and is a 2-1. And Unhallowed Cathar can't block. So I liked him because he was value, right? I mean, I've got a 2-2 with Vigilance, and if you kill him, well, I've still got a 2-2 that I'm swinging at your face, and you're going to have to do something about it. You have a 2-1. Excuse me, you're right. I have a 2-1. So I actually liked Loyal Cathar. My problem was, if... Most likely you're kind of blocking, attacking or blocking with them. If they were able to block and kill him, they're just going to block and kill it again. Yeah, they probably are. And he, you don't gain a blocker because he can't block. So I just felt the side you got was a very terrible grave crawler. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, very terrible. Yeah, that's actually not, not a bad point. Now, flavorfully, I'm not really sure how I feel about this. I feel like if they really wanted to make it right flavor-wise, your opponent should have gotten him, right? 
because he he went from being uh, a tutu, he's on your side, then he dies. And how does that normally happen in movies and books? Your your buddy who just died now rises from the grave and is coming back at you. So if I were making this card, what I would do is uh, make him the tutu with vigilance, and I would make him a tutu with vigilance for one white. But when he dies, return it transformed to your opponent's side. That's too much of a black a blacklight card. Think so? Yeah. A a card like that that has would never be like white in its initial cost. Because white's not gonna get something that's two two with vigilance for one, and the only down the, the downside is you they get a two one that can't block if he dies. Yeah, well it means you've got to deal with it now. It's coming at your face. Or heck, if you want to, take off the can't block clause. Let them have a 2-1 zombie when he dies. Still, one white for all of that. You get a 2-2 with Vigilance. Hey, I'm not it's, saying it's not pushed. I'm just saying, flavor-wise, I think that would have made more sense. I don't, I don't know. He's loyal. Even in Undeath, he's loyal. He continues fighting for you beyond the grave. He's not good at it, but he'll do it. Yeah. He loses his Vigilance. He can't block. He loses some toughness. No one said he had to be good at it. Yeah. So white got white got the short staff on flip cards or transform cards. Don't yeah, let's see now. Are, are are there any others? Yeah, yeah. There's at least one more. There's Thraben Sentry. Yeah, when something of yours dies, you may flip it. Yeah, which actually isn't bad. Okay, I mean it's a two two for four. That's a little steep. Two two for four, but he's got vigilance. Okay, two two for four with vigilance at common. Eh, okay. When another creature you control dies, you may transform him, and when you do, he becomes a 5-4 with Trample. That was pretty scary, 5-4 with Trample. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's. I don't know, I think you play that on the turn you know you're going to kind of swing in, they're going to block. That way you get the 5-4 right away. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, so I think those, I think we may have actually exhausted all of the white transform cards. Just yeah, they didn't get a lot. Well... Blue only got three, too, as well. Yeah, although, hey, I actually want to talk about one of the other blue ones, because I thought it was just interesting and hilarious. Soul Caesar or the Scholar? Uh, no, Ludovic's Test Subject. Oh, they got four, then. Yeah, good old Ludovic's Test Subject, who I thought was was interesting. Uh, he was one in a blue for an O3 Creature Lizard Defender. And then you could put a counter on him. So for one in a blue, no tapping, just one in a blue, put a put a hatchling counter on Ludovic's test subject. Then if there are five or more hatchling counters on it, remove all of them and transform it. So I thought it was interesting that you could make an O3, you basically make a little O3 wall that you're building up and building up and building up to make something cool. And the cool thing it turns into is Ludovic's Abomination, which is a 1313 lizard horror with trample. Now, I I like the idea that we're growing our own Godzilla, as it were. Uh, the downside is he usually just died, mm-hmm. right? Because, I mean, you know, once they start putting some of those counters on him, you're like, oh, it's an 03. Yeah, we can kill that. Let's get rid of the 03. So he wasn't all that useful of a card. He didn't see a lot of play, but he was, oh, God, he was so tempting. The Johnny in me really just wanted to make that 1313 trample. That's what I wanted. Yeah. I always would wait for like when I when people would play it. I always just wait till they get like ten counters on there, then I'd kill it. Yeah, just make make sure they wasted as much of their mana as they possibly could. Go ahead, burn through all that mana. We're just gonna get rid of it. Now then, there were two artifacts, right? Yeah, the Chalice of Life. 
Okay, you you go ahead. Tell us about the Chalice O Life. I like Chalice O Life one because it 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 kind of it's almost like they started thinking of EDH then and there because mm-hmm. it wasn't oh you, you there's a lot of things like Feldar Sovereign you get you win the game when you have forty life. Right. Sarah's Ascension you win the you know she's ascending when you have thirty life. Yeah. This is a card that you tap it and you gain a life. And if you have 10 more life than your starting life total, which could be anything, because you, you choose your starting life total at the beginning of the game, flip it. So I like that. It's 10 more than the starting total. So you get the, that's how you flipped it. Yes, they very carefully it, thought about that templating. And then they, then it was Chalice of Death. And tap it, target opponent loses 5 life. Uh, target player. You could do it to yourself. I'm sorry, target player. I don't know why you would, but you could. Yeah. So you lose 5 life. So that, that I, I thought that was cool. A lot of people wanted to combo, try to figure out ways for combos like that and stuff like artifact life gain decks. Oh, it was a, I thought it was a cool card. I yeah, I, I like it conceptually, right? It's, it's very, very interesting. It's got, it's like got a it life EDH. and death duality. It's great for EDH. Lots of ways to gain life there. Um, yeah, I like Chalice of Life. So the other one they gave us was Elbrus, um, Binding Blade. Elbrus, the Binding Blade, which I think was very interesting conceptually. I don't know how well it succeeded, but Elbrus the Binding Blade, legendary artifact equipment, costs seven, seven to play this bastard. Uh, you equip it for one. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus zero, so it's not all that great. But whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, unattach Elbrus the Binding, Binding Blade, then transform it. Okay, so it takes me forever to get it into play, but if I can and I stick it on a dude and I hit you, I get to transform it. And what do I get if I transform it? I'm glad you asked. I get a 13-13 legendary demon with flying, intimidate, and trample, and whenever a player loses the game, put 13 plus one plus one counters on, uh, Withengar Unbound, that's the name of the backside. So here again, they're thinking of multiplayer formats, right? Cause, uh, Whenever a player loses the game in a two-player format, you're done. Uh, flip him back over, put him in his sleeve, and shuffle your deck back up. Yeah, but still, he's still 13-13 with trample. And intimidate, and flying. I mean, he's just going to nail you, man. He's a jerk. Yeah, I never actually got him to do anything, uh, but I always wanted to live the dream. Uh, I, I, I flipped him once, but it didn't matter. I had the game won by the time I flipped him. Yeah. I made a deck specifically to play Elbrus. It involved Invisible Stalkers and um, Grand Architects. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get that damage in however you can. Transform it, him. It actually was not a terrible deck. Because in the end, I would switch over to, like, um, his Infect was a thing at the time that had Blighted Agent. Mm-hmm. And I was, it was, you know, equipment-based, so I had more equipment. So I'd use Blighted Agent every now and then. I probably won more games doing that than I ever did with Elbrus, which was sad. Yeah, so flavorfully, I like this, right? There's a demon who is bound up in this blade, and when it tastes human blood, we can release the demon, which I yeah. thought was was kind of cool. Um, now, here's here's an interesting uh, rules question for you, which, uh, since you played the card, you may already know. So, if I attach this blade to a creature, and the creature attacks, so I tap the creature to attack, and I hit you, and now I transform the blade... Is the blade tapped or untapped? Should be untapped. It is, in fact, untapped. Although, many players will often take a creature that has auras or equipment attached to it, and they'll just tap the whole stack of things to attack. Yeah. Technically, only the creature is tapped. Yeah. Well, because auras technically... 
I mean, like, you can tap an aura, technically, but it, don't, it doesn't do anything. Yeah, although I think there are some auras that let you tap them for effect. I'm sure someone will email us about that, but, uh, yeah, so. Ah, I know artifacts that way. I don't recall seeing many enchantments that do that. Right. Yeah, I could be wrong, I just don't recall. Now, we would be very remiss in our duties if we didn't talk about at least one more transform card, and that is Garrick. Oh yeah, I forgot about Garrick. Yeah, Garrick. This was <clears throat> this was oh. G- when Garrick had his little run-in with Liliana and Garrick. Oh, the third most played fl- transform card. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Garrick Relentless. So he is a planeswalker, of course. Planeswalker Garrick. Uh, he's mythic. He costs four mana, three and a green. So fairly easy to cast, fairly easy to splash. Comes in with three loyalty. <clears throat> he has two abilities. His zero ability, Garrick Relentless, deals three damage to target creature. That creature deals damage equal to its power to him. Also, he has another zero ability. Put a 2-2 green wolf creature token onto the battlefield. That's it. Those are all of his abilities. You cannot spin him up or down, but you can make his life go down when something deals its damage back with that first zero ability. When Garrick Relentless has two or fewer loyalty counters on him, transform him. And he transforms into Garrick the Veil Cursed, who is black-green. Not not just green, not just black, but black-green. He has three abilities. Plus one, put a 1-1 black wolf creature token with death touch onto the battlefield. Minus one, sacrifice a creature. If you do, search your library for a creature card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. And minus three, creatures you control gain trample and get plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. So a lot of stuff going on here with Garrick. So Garrick's a hunter. He deals damage directly to things that that feels like a red ability, but they're dealing damage back. So it's really fight. It's really the fight mechanic that's going on here. Uh, so that's fine. Uh, he makes creatures. He makes wolves, in fact. That seems fine. So the, the green side, the Garrick Relentless side, very, very Garrick-like. But then Garrick gets himself veil-cursed by Liliana, and now he's got kind of uh, a touch of black in him. So uh, he still makes wolves. They're smaller, but they have death touch, and they're actually the scarier of the wolves, in my opinion, because in the end... When you flip him over, it's really just make wolf, make wolf, make wolf, kill your opponent. Because what are they going to do? All their creatures are now dead because you've got all these death touch wolves. Uh, if you need a creature to beat them down with, you can sack one of the wolves you made with the front side. You can sack one of your other creatures. Go get the card you need to finish him off. Uh, and if your opponent's got a wall of people, well, you know what? Let's just Let's just give everybody an overrun effect. But this overrun effect cares about the graveyard because, again, he's black. So, there you go. I think, I think flavorfully, this Garrick is very, very interesting. He's got a kind of a, a Swiss Army knife tool set of abilities. There's lots of stuff you can do with this guy. Yeah, I thought he was really good. He was definitely a solid, solid planeswalker. Yeah, if anything, he's just spitting out tutus for free. Oh yeah. I mean, even if he never transforms, it's just pay for, make a wolf. They've got to kill it, or you make another wolf, and make another wolf. Yeah, yeah, I like Garrick Relentless. Garrick the Veil Curse doesn't look real healthy, but yeah. No, he, he's got he's got problems. He does. He should really see a doctor. That's that's not good. Which, speaking of which, someday we're hoping to find out what happened to poor Garrick, because as far as I know, he is still off being Veil Cursed somewhere. 
So story-wise, I hope we get back to him. But he won't be in Origins, so we're not going to find out about him then. Uh-huh. So there was your quick trip down memory lane on uh, the Transform cards of uh, Innistrad block. Now, they served a couple of purposes, right? So the one purpose was flavor-wise. Because remember, Innistrad was a... Uh, uh, was a flavor top-down designed set, right? So they knew they needed a mechanic for creatures that changed, including werewolves. They needed a way to do this, and how were they going to do it? Was it, you know, you put a counter on it or put some kind of a token on it, or do you go get a different card, or what if you just flip the card over? And the answer is, what if you just flip the card over? That's totally what they went with. <clears throat> so it does a really, really good job of uh, representing that uh, mechanically. It's a bit of a hassle to do it, though. So there were the checklist cards, which if you never played in Innistrad block, you'll see them again soon, I I have no doubt. And the checklist cards, uh, as Rich alluded to, uh, they have a magic back, but on the front side, they've got a list of all of the transform cards in the set and like a little checkbox that you can mark off saying which one it is. Uh, and you could stick these in your deck, and the checklist cards, they are not proxies. I want to be clear about that. Proxies are a very specific thing in the rules. But they took the place of your transform card while you were, while it was in a hidden zone, like your hand or in the library. But once it was on the battlefield, you just, you know, replaced it with your, your transform card. Um, so, uh, we will likely see those again with Magic Origins. Uh, I can't help but guess. <laughs> I mean, my thing is, if they only stick with the five Planeswalkers, how sad is it every pack you open up and you get a check card for a Planeswalker you're not using to get? Yeah, my guess is if they do that, if they're only the five, which I think the indications I've heard so far is yes, those are the only Transform cards in the set. Uh, although, hey, if you know different, let us know. If you're from WotC, uh let us know. Um, heck, if you're from Watsi and you want to preview a transform card on this very show, we will be more than happy to do so. Just get in contact with us. Yeah, like Gideon. Yeah, for instance. You know, we're not picky though. Uh, it Why would you even take Nissa? It could be Nissa. Yeah, or or hey, how about Chandra? How about Chandra? We would love to talk about Chandra. Gideon over Chandra. Okay, look, who are we kidding? We'll take any preview card you'll give us, quite frankly. Who will even read Jace in a happy tone? I will read Jace in a happy tone, and I will spend an entire show talking about all of the great things about that card. Unless it's a really, really terrible card, and then there's only so much I can do. But still, uh, if they are, in fact, just those five, I think that the checklist cards, I don't think you'll get a checklist card in every pack. I think it'll be like a token slot. It'll just be like a common token. Sometimes you'll get like a 1-1 one, one goblin, let's say. Sometimes you'll get a checklist card. That's fair. That's my guess. But I don't actually know. Time alone will tell, as it were. But I like the design space. It lets them take a uh, a creature and make it better. I mean, if you look back in history, uh, we have some cards that do things... Over time, we had the level up mechanic back in uh, Rise of the Eldrazi, uh, yeah, which was I thought it was cool. I, I mean, it's probably because I didn't play in there, but I have played with level up cards. Uh huh. Eh, why? Why can you only level up as a sorcery? That's so dumb. Uh, because otherwise, it's too powerful. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you agree is what you're saying? That, uh, I want power. It, it is in fact. Well, yeah, yeah, you want I don't know power. about too powerful. I think it's powerful. I don't know about too powerful. 
Right. Depending on the effects, they just cut, at that point you just like, uh, what was what's the guy's name? Like Trent, the guy who makes it that gives the extra turns, whatever his name is. Oh, uh, God, what is his name? Uh, instead of having him, you know, level, you know, cost you know one and a blue to level up, have him cost you know two and two blue to level up, and you you have to get to a lot more levels. Mm-hmm. I don't know things like that. You know, you can balance it out that way. There's a way to make it balance. I suppose. I mean, yeah, you can probably make that work, but yeah, you can probably make that work. Um, but there's a there's a guy I'm trying to think of, and he is from. Oh God, uh, I think he's from Lorwyn Block. He was a Kithkin. Oh, the yeah. What's you, his name? You know the who I'm spirit. thinking of. Yeah, that you could, you could, tr- you could like essentially. He level- started out. He cost Boros, and then you can pay two, like, th- like two and two Boros, and he would become a sort of a one-one Kithkin. He's a two, like a two-two Kithkin warrior. Then he's a like a you know ends. Up, yeah, what is that? A figure of destiny. Figure of yes. destiny is his name. Yeah, Such yeah, Such yeah. a great card. So you know this is kind of one of the earlier experiments in how this sort of thing worked, and he was not. At sorcery speed, you could just do this whenever, right? That's why he's so, a great white card. Uh, he was figure of destiny. He was a creature, Kithkin. Uh, he was from originally Eventide. Okay. Eventide, uh, really? Eventide, yeah. Originally from Eventide. He cost a hybrid red white, and then he had all these abilities. He was a one one for one. Okay, everything's fine. But you could pay one at instant speed, and the one you were paying, all, all of these costs that I'm going to give you are always a hybrid. They're a hybrid red-white. You could pay one and get him to turn into a 2-2 Kithkin spirit. You could pay three, and then if he was already a spirit, he becomes a 4-4 spirit warrior. And then you could pay, uh, let's see now, three, six. You could pay six, and if he's a warrior, he becomes a spirit warrior avatar who's an 8-8 with flying and first strike. Now, if I'm correct, you have to pay the two before you can pay the three, right? Uh, well, the one, because, uh, yeah, his, it's one, three, and six. But, yes, you, you have to pay the one for the three to do anything. Okay, just, make, just want to make sure. But, you know, there was no good way to indicate on the card when he went through these stages, so you just had to keep it clear with your opponent. Uh, but he's an awesome, awesome card. And there's a new card that does a similar thing in, uh, Dragons of Tarkir, right? Uh, let me see if I can remember his name. He is a hybrid black-green, and, uh, people... Dra- co- Dragons had hybrid? Uh, just this one guy. Why don't uh, I remember that? I'm pretty sure. Here, let me see if I can find it here in Gatherer, make sure I'm not just making things up, but I swear... I think Clues is making things I up. I think I'm totally making stuff up. Um, I don't remember there being a hybrid. Yeah, maybe he wasn't hybrid. Maybe he there, just costs green? There was no hybrid. Would you believe that he just costs green? Dragons of Tarakir, let's try that. Uh, no, I need to make that green, not black. Oh, cause wait, it was, it was, he's green white. He's green white, not green black. So he's multicolored. Yeah, let me, let me see if I can find him here. Cause he's got all of these, these level up things too. Wait, man, look, I know this card exists. Was he in Fate? Boy, this I don't is, see him in Dragons. This is totally some compelling, uh, radio here as, uh, 
people listen to me try and figure out the name of this card. <sighs> God, because I know, I know people talked about it. He's, let's see if I can find him as a uh, one mana cost green white. Surely there are lots of those. No. Those cons did not have any hybrid creatures. <sighs> Look, I know this guy exists. I know he does. Maybe he was in Fate? I'm looking at Fate. Fate only has multicolored, no hybrid. They don't have that many. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, no, there he is. There he is. He was from Fate Reforged. He cost one green, but his activated abilities are green-white. That's it. It's Warden of the First Tree. And I know someone out there was yelling at their iPod, trying to get us to remember what this guy was. But, yeah, okay, Warden of the First Tree. That's the guy. Oh, his abilities are, his activation is white and black. Uh, yes. He's one of those Obzon. that he's, yeah, he's, he's an Obzon, but he, his, his abilities are Obzon, right? So he costs one green for a 1-1, one, one, and then for two and a black-white hybrid, he becomes a human warrior that's a 3-3. Three, three. So you're eventually gonna get a 3-3 three, three for three. Once he's a 3-3, three, three, you can pay two and a white-black, white-black hybrid, so a total of four, and he becomes a human spirit with Trample and Lifelink, but he's still only a 3-3, three, three, but he's got Trample and Lifelink. And then he's got this last ability, which uh, for three, white-black hybrid, white-black hybrid, white-black hybrid, total of six mana, uh, if he is a spirit, put five plus one plus one counters on him. Now, what's interesting about that last one here that's different from Figure of Destiny you can do that as many times as you have mana. You can just keep adding counters to this bastard. And so, you know, I'd, of course he dies to removal, but everything dies to removal. Uh, but he can get out of control. He can. He's just, he's expensive to put money into, or yeah. mana into. Yeah, yeah. Well, resources. He's, he's expensive on the resources. So, uh, you know, these sorts of mechanics can exist outside of transform cards where you flip them over. Uh, but they're often kind of awkward like this, right? Mm-hmm. You gotta keep track of, of what they do. So I, I kinda like that we have other areas of design space that we can go to when we need to. And I think that the upcoming set, the MTG Origins with the, with the planeswalkers to go from a legendary creature to becoming a planeswalker is a perfect, perfect use for this mechanic. So I absolutely look forward to it. It's a good one. And hopefully we will come back to transform uh, again someday when it needs to be used. Uh, I hope it doesn't become like all the time we always have transform cards. But it, I'm glad that they felt that they could return to it this quickly because it does fit so very, very well with what they're trying to do. But time will tell how well that goes, eh? Eh, indeed. All right, well, I think that's probably enough rambling about Transform Cards for now. We will, of course, revisit Transform Cards once we know more about MTG Origins. We've we've seen one uh, one of the cards so far. We'll hopefully see more soon. I wonder if this the new Gideon will be the first Gideon that doesn't turn into a creature. Ah, uh, could be. Because he'll already have been a creature. Right. So maybe that, he doesn't that would interest me. Maybe he doesn't right now that's you want anymore. Because right now that's his thing, right? Yeah, well, I mean, Gideon as a character, that's pretty much what he does. He does stuff. He doesn't have other people do stuff for him. He does it. Yeah, he walks up and he whips people with his bladed whip. He totally does. 
I want to learn more about his magic. He's called Heromancy. He's a Heromancer, and I don't know what that means. Right. So, I'm interested. Well, hopefully we will find out more in the MTG Origins. Hopefully. I'm excited to. Yep, yep. All right, well, I think we will wrap up the show here. Uh, we got some interesting stuff that we have coming for you. Uh, so watch for some cool shows coming soon. Uh, we, we were talking about scheduling of uh, the next few shows before we started tonight, and I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And, of course, spoiler season will be upon us very soon uh, for MTG Origins, as well as the Pro Tour will be upon us soon. We've got lots of stuff to continue talking about, so... Uh, all that will be coming soon. If you would like to talk to us, however, it is a two-way street. You can, in fact, talk back to us. You can talk to us right now. Just start talking to your uh, whatever device you are listening on. We won't hear it, but go ahead and talk anyway. That's perfectly fine. It doesn't mean you're crazy, even though people will look at you like you are. But if you want to write to us, you could do that. Uh, of course, you can write to us uh, via email. We are mtgcardadvantage at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter. We are at cardadvantage on the Twitters. Uh, and you can find all of our stuff over on our website, which is cardadvantagecast.com. And all of that stuff is in the show notes. We also appear proudly on the MTG Cast Network, uh, along with lots of other fine shows that you folks probably listen to. If you want to find me personally, you can usually find me in person over at Atomic Empire in Durham, North Carolina. It is a great shop, and you should check it out. I will be at uh, GP Vegas this summer for Modern Masters 2015, so uh, hopefully if you're coming out to that, say hi. I'm sure you'll be able to find me easily among the almost 4,000 people who have already pre-registered as of this recording. Um, so it is going to be a big event. I think everyone should try and come out if they if they can. If you want to hit me up on the internets, uh, Twitter's your best way. I am at Lockluze, spelled just like it is in the show notes. I am at MindMage, and Mage is a four. It is, again, just like it is in the show notes. I guess what I'm saying is read the show notes. Nobody does, but maybe someday. Well, that is it for us this week. Thank you all very much for listening, and we will see you next time. Maybe. We probably won't see them, per se, but they will hear us next time. So we'll force it down their throats. Yes, they. you must listen to the next episode. You feel compelled to listen to the next episode. At the beginning of your upkeep, if uh, you previously listened to the previous episode, listen to the next episode. Or you lose the game. Yeah, or you totally lose the game. Or, or the next episode isn't out yet, in which case, sorry you lost the game.